Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another special edition of Podcast and Chill. And today it's really special, Saul, because I remember, yeah. um, I'm sure you went through this as well. Mm. When you start on radio, the one thing they tell you not to talk about on air is religion. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And religion. He, yeah. Don't play around anything religious, God, yeah. people's beliefs yeah. or creeds. Yeah. Stay away from them. And uh, here we are about to do a podcast just on religion. Yeah. Look at God, eh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, am I going to which God? <laughs> and by the way, Chillers, uh, if you want us to do a part two with uh, other religions, please do let us know because, uh, you know, SA is very diverse in terms of culture and religion and uh, some religions aren't represented today. So if Chillers want us to do a part two, I think it's only fair, right? Yeah, definitely. And also, you you know, there's, there's a, it's a broad spectrum of religions. There's many that aren't here. So definitely we need a part two, man. Yeah. Uh, but here with us today, please welcome Dr. Yuvan Matthias Shun... Shun... Shun Mugam. I watch a lot of cricket, I'll tell you. Shun Mugam, ne? Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, he's the youngest PhD graduate uh, in Hinduism. He's also an oh. executive member of the SA Hindu Mahasabha. Well, what is that? What is uh, the, the Mahasabha? Yeah, so Mahasabha, it basically means big family or one large organization. Yeah. And that's the largest and most authoritative organization in South Africa that works with all of the smaller Hindu bodies. Awesome, man. Uh, we're also joined by Pearl Osa. Osa? Uh, she's a Christian faith coach, speaker, and author. Correct. How many books have you written? Four, I'm busy with five, six, and seven as we speak. Wow. wow. 
Can you tell us some of the the books? So they have sent. They are um, Christian books, and they centered around family issues. The bestseller is Marriage God's Way, because I think it's just something people just want to crack. Like, what is marriage, and is he interested in how do you do it his way? Mm. I've got one. Uh, I've got the one on my bad bad girl days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, like that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then raising children. I'm busy with a devotion now. Um, with two devotions and one for teenagers. Is there a market for, for there such is. books? There is. Nah? Yeah. Uh, and also we're joined by Dr. Nandipa Matonzi, who holds a doctorate in African medicine. She's also a psychic and a herbalist. Yes, that's me. Uh, the last time we had a Dr. Nandipa here, hey, <laughs> she wasn't <laughs> making sure. <laughs> Is there no car tinted that's going to no. push Kyan afterwards? Hey, hey, we're so famous. Eh? Oh, uh, but let's start with the show. Ne? I just want you guys to just give, a, give us like a brief overview of your core beliefs and teachings of your uh, religion, you know? I think we can start with uh, you, Pearl. Okay. So right off the bat, it's almost like the odd one out. Reason being Christianity at its core is not a religion. Um, it's, it's not, it's not organized in that way. It's actually a relationship. Um, and so that's the only place where it will differ. So it's, it's that place where you, you understand that we don't need to make the way back to God. We don't need to find a way to him. We don't need to, you know, go through a thousand apologies and 500 I'm sorry's to make things right and, and get our lives right. Where he's saying, listen, I came down. I am the way. I've come and I've and I've made it right. And the easiest way for you to connect with me is just to get into relationship with me. I think for someone like me, I didn't grow up with a dad, so I, I you know, coming to relate with him as father was a route that was very interesting for me to take. Um, I was a workaholic. I could relate to him as Lord, as boss. I'm here to serve you. And and his take is that's all well and good. You you don't work for me. You work with me. The starting point has got to be that we have relationship, and you understand that I love you enough to die for you. And have you always been a Christian since birth, or is this something that you? I was the religious Christian from birth. So I was born. It was by default. I hadn't entered relationship. It was just mommy goes to church. Okay, I follow. Um, and and that comes with its own. You know, you do it on a Sunday, but we live another life from Monday to Saturday. When I got into relationship much later in my life was when it became everything that I am. Awesome. And uh, Dr. Yuvan? Yeah. Hinduism? What are okay. some of the core beliefs? So, you know, I also almost want to say Hinduism is not a religion, um, but that's because it's multiple religions. So um, Hinduism, well, to a typical Hindu, maybe, you know, we don't necessarily call ourselves Hindus. We say we follow Sanatana Dharma, which is the eternal law. And uh, so Hinduism in not being one religion, it's more uh, a, a an amalgamation, uh, the coming together of many different philosophies and of many different rituals and practices, but it's all deeply rooted in the individual exploring who they are and why they're here and what place they have in this world and in the broader cosmos. And uh, what are the, the, the religions that you're talking about? Well, so we have multiple deities in Hinduism um, that all come together. So there's the one... Uh, there's the belief in one God, which is Parabrahma or Nirgun Brahma. And then there's the belief that Nirgun Brahma takes on qualities and attributes so that we humans can understand. And that becomes Saguna Brahma. And Saguna Brahma then splits into Vishnu, Brahma, Shiva. Uh, that's the Trimurti. But you also have the Tri Devi, which is the feminine side of the Trimurti. 
and that is Saraswati, Parvati, and Lakshmi. And each of these deities represent something. So Brahma will be the creator, Vishnu, the sustainer, Shiva, the destroyer. Um, and you have different debates in Hinduism about which of these deities then is the ultimate, the one deity that comes in different forms. And so if some people say it's Shiva, then you have one religion, which is Shaivism, which adorns or reveres Shiva as that one supreme deity. Um, but then you'd have others who'd say it's more feminine energy because it makes sense to understand that everything was given birth to by a female entity. And so you have Shaktiism as a religion that comes. But because all of these systems relate well to one another and are based on the ancient texts of the Vedas, um, when people approached India and they saw all of these different religious systems, they just said these are the religions of India, which is basically what Hinduism the etymology of yeah. Hinduism yeah. is it's the religions of India. So with the system that you're talking about, can you identify, do you have to identify as one or can you be all? Yeah. So a Hindu doesn't necessarily have to believe in one God or in one way of believing. Uh, Hinduism acknowledges that because faith and spirituality is an individual journey, there are multiple ways to approach religion, spirituality, and even how we understand God. So the different gods in Hinduism are just different ways of understanding the divine as opposed to individual beings on their own. So to a Hindu, you could believe in many different things. You could believe in all things. You could believe in Christianity or Islam. Um, it's basically about finding your own way and how you make sense of your existence. Beautiful, man. And Dr. Nandipa? Well, African spirituality is um, a wide spectrum of powers. So it depends on the individual um, in terms of which powers they want to tap into. Um, when I speak of powers, I mean ancestors, I mean water, um, the universe, um, plants, animals. Um, so it's just um, a wide um, variety of powers. And then it goes back to your belief system. How did you grow up? What were your ancestors practicing? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people can, you know, relate to that because yes. we are Africans, you know? Yes. Uh, Pearl, I wanted to ask you, um, can you give us like the history of Christianity in Africa? Like, did it start here? Where did it start? Where does it come from? So it didn't start here, um, but we do have a history here. There's a number of parts in scripture, and I'm not sure if it's a relevant text for everyone listening, but the Christians would, uh, would be able to identify. Oh. So there is a story of, um, of a eunuch from Ethiopia. He's visiting um, and he's reading the Bible. He's reading the texts at the time, might not have been called the Bible. And, uh, and one of the apostles sees him and understands that this guy is completely not understanding what he's reading and goes and explains and, you know, uh, takes him through. And he says, listen, I love this. I want to be baptized right now. So that's one of the ways in which Christianity then came into Africa. You also have the Queen of Sheba who went and visited with Solomon. Um, there are stories that she... Uh, you know, had a relationship with him, came back with his offspring, and those people are found in the areas around Zimbabwe. Their families in their cultures and tribes in in the Igbo culture in Nigeria, who also lay claim to Judaism in connection with with uh, with a Jewish root. Um, 
Then you have when Abraham was leaving. So he goes off. I'm trying to make this like story time, story time. So I'm yeah. quoting scripture. Mm. But so, you know, Abraham leaves his father's house. He goes, he starts a new life somewhere else. He takes his nephew called Lot. And um, at some point, who he was not supposed to take with him. But at some point they separate. Now Lot gets himself into trouble and Abraham goes to rescue him. On returning, he meets someone called Melchizedek. Now, a lot of people argue as to whether Melchizedek is actually, you know, was Jesus in the flesh. And no, he wasn't. He was a man. Um, he was the king of Salem and he was an African. So the understanding there is that the priesthood um, is innately an African thing, actually. Um, so if you look at Noah, he had three sons. He had Shem, Japheth and Ham. Shem comes from the Shemite people, your Jews. Japheth comes from who you would term as Europeans today. And Ham was the African. Now, Noah gets drunk. Ham comes in, sees him naked. There's a whole lot of stories as to what exactly he saw naked. But he saw him naked, comes out and is like, yo, come see Pops. And they they come backwards and they cover him. Like, I can't dis, you know, disregard my, my father's nakedness that way. But Ham didn't. So the story goes that when Noah came to and realized what had happened, he cursed Ham. But didn't just curse Ham, he cursed Ham and his generations to come. So Shem, being of the Jewish religion, his, he, he then gives them a prophecy. He blesses Shem, he blesses Japheth, he curses Ham. Hmm. The blessing for Shem says that the oracles... The kingship will come from you. So you trace all the way down and Christians believe that we worship the, the king of the tribe of Judah, the lion of Judah, who was Jesus coming through the lineage of, of Judah, Judaism, which is Shem. Japheth was told you will dwell in the tents of, 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 of Shem, where you see now the white man has kind of connected himself to a religion that started originally in the Middle East. It was not a European or a, you know, American religion, but he's connected. And his responsibility was to carry the, the oracles, mm. carry the scripts. That's why you find, oh, we, we would say the white man came with the Bible, mm, mm. but that was because that was his prophecy. That was the blessing his father put upon him. With Ham, he said, you know what? You will be a, a, you, you will be a servant of servants. And so you trace through, and that's what's happened to the African people. Nimrod was an African. So the core of priesthood, um, which was not redeemed at that time, is our responsibility. I love it when she speaks of, you know, knowledge of creation and the waters and the, because when, when you know, when Adam sinned and all of creation fell with him, man didn't fall alone, creation fell. Our responsibility as children of God is to come back and say, we are redeeming all of creation. We believe that's done with the blood of Jesus Christ. So his blood is currency that buys back everything that fell with the fall. But that core of that priesthood, understanding how to reconfigure creation, how the mountains ought to be the waters and the, and the soil and how to draw power from those things is innately a a, a priesthood responsibility given to the African people. Melchizedek, mm. case in point, was in Canaan. Canaan was literally on the cusp of Africa. So, yeah, so those are the roots, and I could find more, I'm sure, yeah, yeah. but those are the roots of Christianity within the African context. Jeez, did you know all of that, sir? I had no idea. I was just confused. With how does Noah have sons with different religions or, like, different races? Okay, maybe at different moms, but I'm a bit confused. I was lost. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, when you look at the story of Nimrod initially, so the Bible says that they were all of one language. 
Um, and I, you know, you've got Adam, you've got Eve, they then have Cain, they have Abel, men begin to multiply across the surface of the earth. Uh, complexions changed due to adaptability. So, you know, people will disperse and you know how it is like now you go to South Africa, you look at Alexander Township, it used to be one man's farm. So for real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. That was a farm he gave to his, was it his wife or his daughter as a gift, the entire farm. That's, mm. yeah, one whole township. So imagine people in those days, apartheid days, having that much access to land that one person owns that. Mm. You can imagine how far his neighborhood is. So when these brothers now part, they go literally to like various parts of the earth. Now, if I'm closer to the equator, you can imagine that my skin's going to darker, mm. there will be mm. certain adaptabilities, etc. It'll filter through the DNA. Okay, interesting. Uh, Dr. Yuvan, let's talk about some of the concepts in Hinduism, such as karma, uh, reincarnation, yoga. Uh, um, can you just tell us more about that? Yeah, so um, there are different parts to salvation. So reincarnation is uh, it's the samsara cycle. It also exists in Buddhism. Um, but the objective is not to actually be reborn, um, but it's to escape from the cycle of rebirth. Um, and escaping from the cycle of rebirth is what we would call salvation or moksha. Um, and so we talk about different ways in which you can attain moksha. And so there's through bhakti, which is devotion. There's through janana, which is wisdom and enlightenment knowledge. And there's karma, which is through your actions. And recently with uh, Swami Vivekananda, there was a fourth school that was... Uh, promoted it was yoga i believe something there i forgot its name i forget its name yeah. because to a lot of um orthodox hindus because of how new this school is the three main parts to um oh yeah so vivekananda's was bhakti yoga but yeah the three main parts to salvation is janana bhakti and karma um, so karma is basically your actions. Um, it's everything, even breathing. Um, but it basically says that, well, when you look at these three different parts, it's either by doing good deeds that you can attain um, salvation, or it's either by love and devotion to God, or it's either by knowledge. Um, but when you look at it, all these three are intertwined with one another. And a lot of Hindu philosophers come about and say that because when you have knowledge, your actions change and you end up doing better or good actions. And some of those good actions involve being devoted to God and worshipping and serving God. But you still have different strands of Hinduism that would argue that it's devotion exclusively or it's action exclusively or it's knowledge exclusively that would take you to salvation. But yoga as a practice, um, that functions largely between well, it, it, as a practice, it functions in all three, but I think it would come about more strongly in karma yoga as um, a, a practice that enables you to gain mastery over your body and your mind. And in doing so, enlighten yourself about your soul and learn more about the universe and the cosmos and about God and your place in it. Um, and interestingly, yoga is, yeah, yoga, although today you have a lot of Western practices and a lot of European practices, it is a very Hindu fundamental practice. Um, the origin of yoga is believed to be traced back to Shiva, who is also called Adi Yogi, which is the first yoga practitioner and is the one who came and taught yoga to humans. 
Wow. Uh, Dr. Nimba, can we talk about uh, some of the different traditions that exist across the, the African uh, continent? Yeah, well, um, with traditional healing, um, it's very diverse and very broad. So there's Ubunyanga. Um, Ubunyanga would be somebody that heals through traditional medicines and also uses um, other spirits, spirits being dead people, ghosts, um, or bones from dead people, um, or marine spirits. So Inyanga heals and also does witchcraft. Yeah. So Iyabulala, oh. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Ubukedla. Ubukedla is herbalism. That's someone um, that just has a gift um, to mix herbs, mix different plants to heal diseases and infections. Um, and then there's um, Ubutanda Zeli. Ubutanda Zeli is someone who believes um, in God and also in their ancestors because they were operates in the prophetic and also operates um, in 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 well in African spirituality. So they they would pray for a person and then have visions, but also they would patla and communicate with their ancestors. That, that is more of what I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, there's also people who work with abalozi. So healers that specifically work with abalozi. Abalozi are like birds, um, doves and bees. So it's energies coming from um, the sky. So a person that heals through abalozi is someone that can speak to a bird and then they can get every information, anything about you. No way. I'm telling you. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yes. So oh. you would hear a whistle mm. and then the person will interpret exactly what the whistle said. Jeez. So that is abalozi. That's, that's the strongest. It's the strongest. Name. Yes. Yo. Yes. Uh, I got a question from Machila here. Uh, in African spirituality, the connection to ancestors ancestors is highly valued. Uh, can you explain the role of ancestors in African spiritual practices? So our ancestors are our late family members. So it's people that were once alive and who have passed. So um, we believe that once our, um, our family members have moved on or crossed over to the other side, we believe that we can connect with them. We believe that they, because they're on the other side, they know what's happening. They can see what's, um, what's happening in our lives, what's going to happen. So we rely on them to send us messages. So when a person is born, they are assigned a guardian angel. In English, a guardian angel, but in Isintu, it's a ilozi. Right. So Ilo Zilako um, plays a role of protecting you, guiding you and 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 just giving you all the luck that you need. Yeah, I've, I've noticed like normally, you know, uh, there's always been like a conflict um, with people who are Christians and they would say, no, I believe in um, magazine. However, the other side the African spirituality would seem more receptive of the idea of God. You know, um, is there a role uh, that Christians, is there, uh, 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 do you guys identify with Amagosi as an African uh, Christian? Do they play a role in a Christian's life? Me as a Christian who believes in God, do ancestors also play a role in my journey on earth? No, 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 not in our way of thinking. So, <clears throat> I'll, I'll speak on behalf of the Muslims who aren't here. 
Something with with coming coming going around to come where you want me to yes, go. Yes, to. yes, yes. Um, something in Islam is that they are not a nationality or a race or a color first and foremost. They are Muslim. Some of the IS guys go as far as even denouncing the entire nation they came from, dropping the passports, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so they've they've formed themselves on the basis of a whole nother nation. At at its core, Christianity is that it's it's a belief in a kingdom with a sovereign king and a whole set of systems, etc. Um, the Bible says that it's appointed once for a man to live thereafter he dies and he waits for judgment just like you. And so, no, we don't believe that there's a role that one who was here and is now dead and is awaiting judgment is able to play. Um, that role is given specifically to Jesus, who we say is the way, the truth, and the life, um, which is why he came and made that ro road or route back to God. Um, but uh, for us, those, and let me put it this way, I have an understanding, um, I might not agree with it, you know, but I mean, that that's the thing, the beautiful thing about God is he's given all of us free will. So my agreeing is irrelevant to the next person's lifestyle, you know what I mean? Uh, but But there is an understanding as to why there will be a draw, a pull, a desire to understand um, some of these things and how the ancestors work, because innately we are a people who are powerful and are seeking our power. As African people, I think that has been in so many ways bastardized. Mm. We have been completely stripped of power. Um, and that's just because I think the enemy just knew what we carry, who we yeah, are. Yeah, how powerful, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's just like, don't even let them come to a realization. Mm -hmm. um, and so when, we, when we're going about looking for ways to exert power, looking for ways to, to I don't want to use the word manipulate, but to alter the outcome of things, it's a purely... It's, it's, it's a purely human response to things and primarily an African one, because like I said before, the priesthood resides with us. Mm. Um, but to go the route of ancestors as a, as a way to God, it's... it's well, no. What do you feel about that when she says that? I think it's somehow correct. Um, but in my, um, in my perspective, like with me, I was a saved Christian um, before I became... Uh, a traditional healer, right? So I first developed the gift of prophecy and I operated in the church. And then later on, um, manifested. And then I had to go to undergo initiation. Yeah. And then I became a traditional healer. So for us, we believe there is a link between God and ancestors. Mm. But a fully fledged Christian um, would tell you that they it's wrong or um, there's no such thing. But at the end of the day, all gifts do come from God. And you, Dr. Yvonne? Yeah, so I, I actually wanted to say it, it's it's actually a very interesting thing. But, you know, when we when we talk, if I may talk about Christianity, I mean, I did study, <laughs> I, I did study Christian theology as well. You know, I think when, when we're talking about Christianity, uh, it's important to qualify which Christianity we're talking about first because there's Catholicism and there's all these different strands of Christianity. Um, but if you asked me as, as someone that has studied religion, I would say that the ancestors in Christianity itself uh, plays a very important role. So in each of the Gospels, there's a genealogy of Christ. And so you ask yourself, what's, what's the relevance of these things? Why is it so necessary for them to talk about 
all these lines of people that were not even connected directly to someone or, or they were by genealogy, but they were not around during that time. And it's a way of showing this is who you're connected to and this is who you come from. And uh, in the case of Jesus and his genealogies, it was about showing his authority as uh, the son of God, showing his link to David, but also his link to Abraham and then his link to Adam. Um, in, in you, But I, if we look at Abraham as well, uh, whenever there's... You know, in the context of those texts, there's always this calling of, uh, I call upon the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of John. And that's a very, yeah, sorry, Jacob. Uh, that's a very ancestral thing, really, because people were doing that long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were dead. Um, so for me, I, and, and again, I'm not sure what Christianity, you know, you're speaking from or, or what denomination that is. But within context of South Africa, we have African independent churches that bring together this fusion of traditional African values and Christianity. And those speak more or better on the link between African ancestors and a Christian practice dogmatically where you can acknowledge Christ as the son of God, but also acknowledge the importance of your ancestors and where you come from. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's conversation. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you don't need to put your hand up. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to check. I'm a homeschooling mom. Right? And when my children left the proper education system, yeah. I had to kind of put my foot down to be like, while we're at home, we're still going to be formal. Otherwise, they'll just run over me. Why, why are you homeschooling? Why am I homeschooling? Shoot, number one, I've got too many children. Oh, yeah. She's got 11 <laughs> children, by the way. So, so economically, it was Yeah, one man. 11. 11 children, one man. <laughs> Yeah. Still looking good, huh? Thank you. Yeah, so it was that and then just the values. I didn't want to, you know, let home teach you first and you can go out and hear the rest. But yeah. needed to have it grounded. So I think there's a difference between the role that the ancestors play versus recognizing that they were there. So, for example, I love my mom. I'm always going to love her. When she goes, I'm always going to refer to myself as her daughter um, and, and the connections, but she will never be one that I will now begin to speak through to get to a higher power. Because my argument would be, you know, if you couldn't save yourself here, I'm not certain what you can do on that end while you await judgment, just like I would. Mm -hmm. However, the recognition of the ancestral lineages is so, so, so important for a number of reasons. Number one, because the prophecy of your life is connected to the bloodline you come from. Yes. yes right. Yes. So when uh, uh, um, Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah, it's because the tribe of Judah has been given the assignment to produce kings. Hmm. There was a detour at some point where Benjamin's tribe produced poor Saul, but it was but for a minute. And the reason it was for that minute was because the people were not waiting for God's timing. They were like, you know, look at all the other kids. They've mm. got this. Mommy, I also want that branch. I also want. Mm. And God was saying, it's not for you to have a king like the others do. I want to have that relationship again with you where I am your king and you come to me directly. But they kept fussing about what they saw other people having and they wanted it too. So he wasn't ready with his king. So he gave them a king. Mm. Once he was done with that one, David was now ready and he brought David through. So because of the prophecy that follows your bloodline, it's important to know where you come from. The second thing is that very often we find ourselves grappling with generational issues. Um, so maybe my mom got divorced, her mom before her got divorced. And so I know divorce is a core issue in this family. Now I want a good marriage. I need to deal with that. I need to, the book of Job says, inquire of those who came before you because we are nothing but shadows um, replicating a life prior. So sure. I need to know the past. 
So I know what wars to wage. I know what strengths I can draw on. I can say, yo, no, I'm from a tribe of people who are, you know, we're good at this. And yeah, then yeah. I focus on that. But not because they're able to connect me to anything that Jesus wouldn't do. So can I still call myself a Christian if I also call upon my ancestors, Nyaklabela Maglozi? No. No. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what I am. I don't want to I'm a Christian. Because Christ has just said it to you. I'm the only way. So using my name means Christian means through me. And, and he doesn't want to mix. But you're saying to him, listen, I, I, I come from a people. We do things a certain way. I don't want to lose that altogether. But I still want a piece of you. Mm. So we need to find a new name for it. But it's not Christian. Oh. So I know you can't answer for, uh, I wish we had a Catholic here. Because I, I was in a Catholic school at some point. So maybe I'm speaking out of turn. But, you know, there'd be statues, the Madonna's erected of oh. the Virgin Mary. And would pray Hail Marys and stuff. Isn't that tantamount to calling on someone else other than Jesus or which God? Is, which is why when he said, I don't know what Christianity she's talking about. And when I started off, I was yeah. like, there's religion and then there's relationship. Mm. So I was Catholic, right? Okay. And um, the understanding is, because the Bible says, don't go through anyone else but Jesus Christ. Yes. But the thing is, you, you know, we want to please. As human beings, I just want to feel like I had a, a part to play in my salvation. Like, can't I, can't I just do three more Hail Marys? Can't I just, something good I can do. So when I get to the pearly gates, I can say, listen, I also contributed. And he's like, I don't need your help. I've got this. You need not do anything. So the challenge for me uh, and for many, what you referred to saved Christians, um, is this whole dichotomy where it's like, okay, the Bible speaks of no, no, no images, no graven images, but I come to a Catholic church and there's this graven image of, of Mary. Um, we're very clear on the marine spirits and, and, and how to operate with them. Um, the Catholic church operates with the queen of the coast, the queen of heaven, which are both, we understand to be deities that are not of God. Huh. <laughs> And then, Dr. Nandi, but then as a, I don't know if you're young or what, within those you mentioned, um, Tandas. Oh, so you still then, so you're still a Christian then? Because she's, she's saying you're not. I am a Christian. I'm just not a saved Christian. (laughs) What's the difference? Please explain. Whoa. Please explain to me. Pro gets it, right? You get it. And, And you know, when I get it, my heart. Um, crumbles a bit in me because of, of the context of what salvation means. Please, we also want to get it. What, what is it? Yeah, 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 so that means yeah, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not born again. I'm not born again. Oh, okay. So right? you're talking about the reincarnation and the, and the hanahana. Salvation, so, yeah. Yes. So, so, okay, you're born the first. Okay, so Adam comes, he messes up, but we have his bloodline. Okay. And God now needs to make a plan to come back and save all of humanity because of his mess up. Mm. So he says, I'm going to send a pure-blooded individual Mm. who is not mixed with the blood of human beings. Mm. The Holy Spirit is going to, as it says in the Bible, hover over a a virgin. So he he is born miraculously of a virgin birth. Mm. You want to say something? No, no. Okay. Because I see the mic coming up. Um, So, and, 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 you, you see in the book of Genesis, I think it's six, seven or eight, I don't know, six. Uh, the Bible says the sons of God, coming to the genealogy, looked at the daughters of men. 
so that they were beautiful and then decided to sleep with them. Now, it wasn't the sons of men. And that's the reason why we have genealogy so clearly stated so that you know that, okay, this one didn't come from somebody who came from somebody. This was a fallen spirit. One of those who was kicked out of heaven when, as it says in the book of Revelation, there was war in heaven and, you know, the archangel won and kicked Satan and his cronies to the surface of, of the earth. So these people are now hanging around going, yo, God loves these people. He sent a sa- he's planning to send a savior. And we know that the whole plan is to have someone who is pure. Mm. So spirits don't have a need, I'm sure you would agree, for food or for sex or for any of the physiological things we need. So if a spirit sees a daughter of a man and sleeps with her, it is not with the intention to just tell her how pretty she is. He is trying to pollute the blood race mm. because that first prophecy was it would be the seed of the woman without blemish that will crush the head of the serpent. So he knows war was declared from Genesis chapter three, right? And he's going forward to continue to continue this warfare. Um, I've now even lost track of where it was I was actually going. Mm. So, so, so being born being, again. Being born again. Yes. So all of us who were born before receiving Jesus Christ and saying, I recognize that, that, that you yeah. know, gesture that you made for me to be able to make my way back to God are still operating under the first birth, still sinful in our bloodline. Mm. Now we're not making it to heaven in that state. Mm. Now, to get to heaven, we need to accept this free gift of salvation that does not need me to do anything but just believe and receive it. Get you. That's uh, Dr. Nandi, born again. Before we leave the ancestor chat, um, what do you feel? Two questions. How do you feel about all the sudden interests, especially among celebrities who want to now become Sangomas? And how do you feel about Sangomas who scam people? Uh, you know, yeah. Okay, so there's been a high rise in African spirituality, I think, because firstly, people are now realizing who they are and they're tapping into the Africanism or um, their true roots, right? Um, And then secondly, also, since now there's a high rise and everybody is undergoing initiation by Atwasa, uh, it's it's become more like a fashion statement. And that's where the scammers um, Mm. take place. And, you know, um, there are fake sangomas, there are fake healers out there um, because people, let me tell you something, people are desperate for help. People have problems. People are suffering from generational curses, financial burden. So when a person sees um, a page on Instagram or on TikTok of somebody who's a healer, they're going to believe that it's a healer. So Mm. it's easy to scam people, Mm. right? So not everybody um, who says, who claims to be a healer is a true healer. Um, Some who are healers actually are out there to take people's powers because some people... Um, some people grew up in Christian homes um, where it's just about God and Jesus. Mm. But when they grow up, they start developing problems and they actually want to know more on, on what's going on and how to solve their problems. Then they will seek traditional help. So those kind of people um, are posed at a risk of being taken advantage of by healers. Because when that kind of person goes to a healer and the healer actually finds out that this person has um, water spirits and and they have beautiful energy, they will take the power. Damn. Yes, because as a healer, you can use someone's power. You can use someone's favor to your advantage. So that's what's going around. Um, And with this thing of people 
especially the 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 young generation getting into initiation by not all of them have gifts you only undergo initiation when you have a gift all right a gift means that you have been chosen you have been given something that will help another person all right so that means you are you sh- your spirits are should be operating on a higher vibration um so it's not everyone that's gifted. If if I'm a healer and I need money, I'm broke, I don't have clients, and you come to me, Mac, and you say, I have problems, I'll just say, you have a gift. Mm. Do you dream of water? Mm. Obviously you dream of water because <laughs> yeah. you're a water being. We, we, are, yeah. we are spiritual yeah. as Africans. Yeah. We are water beings, right? Yeah. So you say, oh yeah, I do dream of water. And I say, yes, you, 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 you have a gift and you need to twasa. I'm in. Give me 50K mm. and then you end. Mm. That's what's happening now. So it's not not all of it. It's about a spiritual awakening. We're not all undergoing a spiritual awakening. It, it has to do with money. So how do we stop that? Like what are the some of the signs like you should look out for? Um, the most important thing when you're seeking traditional help is to Pasha first before you leave home. You What's need to pasha. Pasha is when you communicate with your ancestors. Um, so it's not praying, it's talking to your ancestors. Oh, yes, yes. So yes. you use candles, yeah, you yeah. use snuff, yes, you can yes, use water, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the most important thing. You need to pasha a day before um, and then ask for guidance, ask for lights, ask for a way. So when you go to the healer, you already have that, you have already have your angel, your angel. ascending before you mm. so that you don't get scammed, mm, right? Yeah. And when you go there... Um, it's very important to, to discern the spirits because some healers use utigoloshe, uh, mm. um, iguane. They do. Imkovu. I'm a boy. <laughs> Imkovu exists. That's yes. crazy. So remember when you visit someone's shrine, you tapping into their energy. Yeah, so yeah. if I'm not pure and you come see me, you're going to leave with some of my spirits. Yeah. Right? Mm. So if I'm someone that uses a people's uh, blessings or favor, some of your favors is going to be left behind. Yeah. And this is why when people visit healers, they, they often say, I didn't get help. Instead of getting help, my problems became worse. Yes. So it's very important to, to discern. Pasha first, so you can get that discernment. Love it. Dr. Yuvan, i uh, got a question here from Achilla. Um, he wants to know about rituals within Hinduism, including the worship of various gods and goddesses. Mm. What's the question? Yeah, he wants. <laughs> Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. What are some <laughs> of the rituals you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so there are, uh, you know, multiple rituals that we do have for different deities. Um, it would depend, I suppose, on which deity you're looking to venerate or which deity you feel connected to. Um, but there are different festivals at different points of the year. Like later in the year, we will have a festival dedicated to Durga. Um, that is one of the the supreme mothers of Hinduism. Um, we also have, for example, like Shivratri, which is a night of meditation for the god Shiva. But there are also certain rituals and procedures when you bring a murti, or uh, in English, an idol, um, into your house that you would do to venerate uh, this 
deity. Um, similarly, you know, monthly, there's monthly rituals for deities. Um, whenever you do a prayer, there's different rituals. Uh, Hinduism is very ritualistic. So when it does come to a certain deity, we also have our adoration of ancestors as well, um, which is also a very ritualistic practice. So it depends which ritual and which deity that you're talking about that um, would have a different set of rules almost applied to it. I got another question saying the caste system. Oh, you got a question? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can go on. Uh, the caste system has been a controversial aspect of Hindu uh, society, which explain its historical roots, its current status, and the ongoing debate surrounding it. Okay. So the caste system, um, you know, it, it existed in Indian society for a very long time. Um, well, what is the caste system? Yeah. It, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> so yeah, it, it existed for a very long time in uh, in Indian society. When I say Indian, I mean more like India, not necessarily South Africa, because when Indians came here, it was it wasn't practiced because Indians now in South Africa were subject to the laws of South Africa. Um, but in India, uh, their constitution a number of years back banned the caste system, although socially it's still practiced. Almost like in South Africa, racism is banned, but you still have it. Mm. Um, so the caste system is a, it's a social structure. It's a hierarchical social structure that is based on your birth. So according to the family, they're almost like a bloodline kind of thing, <laughs> except our bloodline is not Adam and Eve. We're almost mm. on another stream. Mm. Um, but yeah, so if you're born into a certain family, into a certain caste, that is your caste. And the only way to change your caste would either by, be by marriage or mo mainly by marriage. You can't really change it otherwise. Um, but you have your your Brahmins, your Vaishyas, your Kshatriyas. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so you have your priests. Uh, you then have your warriors, your rulers, your kings. Uh, you have your merchants. And then you have um, at the very bottom like your Shudras or, um, that are almost ostracized from society and they are made to do the dirty work. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a social structure that was based on religious texts. And with, with a lot of historical societies, theocratic governments, you find that whenever a political system came about, they wanted to link it to religion so that you had that authority of mm, the religious yes. community, like mm. colonization, for example. Mm, mm. They linked it with Christianity and that was how they were able to get funds in order to come to Africa or India or South America. Um, but the social structure of of the caste system is one that you can find in almost any community. So it's not exclusive to India, but what makes it so special about India is that it was linked very closely to Hinduism. Um, there's a very prominent Hindu teacher in Britain. Uh, when he was asked about the caste system and its practice in Britain, uh, he said, if you would like to see the caste system practice today in England, then you should go to Buckingham Palace where a person by birth becomes the head of state. Um, and that essentially is what the caste system is. It's mm -hmm. if you're born into a certain family, you do what your parents have, have done. And because of such a structure and system, of course, there was discrimination and oppression and very horrible treatment of people, um, which is why it was abolished. Um, it's it's Hinduism, as I said as well, it's a very big tradition. So there are within Hindu texts, certain debates and discussions where people tried to abolish mm. um, these things. But because it was monetary and economic and it benefited those who were in power, it was something that was maintained. But for the large part of 
Hindus today, I would say that um, it is strongly opposed and something that in India is might still be practiced, but in South Africa amongst Hindus here and amongst the diaspora, you won't necessarily find it. But somewhere in India, that's where you would see it more prominently, although there are laws that prohibit it. Oh man, well said. Earlier on, you'd said, um, when Mac asked about, I think it was reincarnation, you'd said it's a cycle that the objective in Hinduism is to escape it and, and find salvation. How do you know then when you have found that salvation? Mm. Well, you see, because Hinduism is, a, is an individual's um, exploration, uh, it's your journey. What it means to be free or to have salvation is in some ways it's it's again because we have different schools it depends on which school you're looking at but for the most part salvation means that you don't come back to earth you're not reborn again you're not here again and so the in in one philosophical school advaita vedanta uh, what it means to be or to have salvation and to be free from the cycle of rebirth is to become one with Brahman, one with God. Um, and so you have this enlightenment and you're free from rebirth. You feel no pain, you feel no sorrow, you feel no joy, you feel nothing. You're just one with everything, which is what God is. So you'll only find out after death, essentially. Well, no, no. I mean, in there's there's something called Jivan Mukti, which is where you can attain moksha while you're here. Um, and you would attain moksha but still stay here on earth so that you can enlighten others about it. And reincarnation and even the paths to salvation is something that functions in Buddhism as well because Buddhism and Hinduism share a very close uh, relationship. Buddhism almost comes out of Hinduism. Um, so... You, you you can't necessarily say that you would attain salvation after death because what happens if you're reborn <laughs> or if you're sent somewhere else? It was a joke, but you guys... Thank you for laughing. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're no, welcome. I, I, I suppose you know it's it's when yeah you know you would attain moksha. You would know that you've attained salvation when you know that you're one with the supreme being that is Brahman and that is the very essence of everything. Pearl, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, earlier on. We we're talking about you know Sangomas scamming people. Um, how do you feel about pastors uh, and, and, and priests and these churches that we see, you know, with these videos that go viral of like pastors making people eat sand and all this crazy stuff? It's crazy. She was saying it, I was like, you know what, it's everywhere. Um, so there's many people who will claim to be something, but they're not. And so they would lay claims on being pastors or being Christian and, and they're not. Uh, they're in it for whatever it is they can get for themselves. The challenge though, is that, you know, the Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. They'll have itchy ears. They only go to a gospel that tickles their fancy. It's what they want to hear. And so people like that, pretty much like what you were saying, um, get away with their existence because people are flocking to them simply just because, you know what, he's going to say what I want to hear. It's purely a prosperity gospel. It's going to be, he's going to tell me how to fix my things. He's going to tell me how my life is going to be in order. Um, whereas when they come to, a church that functions the way it ought to, 
they're not going to hear what they want to hear. They're going to hear what they need to hear. And they're not really going to like that. I mean, when you spoke earlier about having been saved and then got a call, again, I think I'm just like reaching out with hugs to you today. Mm -hmm. Um, My heart was sore because there's a myriad of churches who do not understand their power Mm. in the word I use as priesthood. So when someone comes to you and says, I'm getting this calling, I have this feeling, if the feeling and the calling are and you can share your experience with us, but yeah. I think most times quite negative. It's headaches. It's my things are not working. Mm, it's mm. I'm bashed up and down the, the head because the ancestors want me to answer mm. to something. Now, why are pastors not empowered and trained to identify if a spirit is good, it shouldn't do that to you. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that to you. When he, the Bible speaks of him wooing you. You know, he draws you into love and relationship with you. So if you're feeling something th- that's really, we've not, we've, we've let down so many people. That's the honest truth. The fake and the real alike. We've let down so many people because when we grapple with those sorts of things, we feel out of depth because all we want to talk about is the fuzzy, the textbook mm. version of a Christianity that's all sweet and soft. But the truth of the matter is our Christianity, the core of it is priesthood. Mm. The core of it is being able to recalibrate creation, to redeem it, to tell it, listen, we're taking authority here. Um, for, for, for me, if someone comes manifesting a, a water spirit, I know everything that they're going to demonstrate. And I know it's not comfortable for them. So I don't see nothing warm and fuzzy about it. I cast that thing out. Um, and so, but the thing is, I'm now going to give you a whole lot of of. of constraints maybe is how you feel about it. Yeah. And so you'll just be like, you know what? I actually want to, mm. no, church, too many do's and don'ts. I'm done with you. Mm. And they would go that route rather. Um, and they would get understanding because you've got a bunch of people who have embraced that part of our, of our, of our being African. They understood it. They've not run away from it. They've not called it funny things. And so these people go there. Whereas I should be empowering them to understand how when God said, go have dominion over everything I've created, it includes all of those elements, mm. you know? So it's a, it's a very sad conversation for me. I just always wonder like how these pastors go to sleep at night after doing all of that, bro. They're not pastors. Imposters. Yes. Sure. And you'll find imposters in politics. You'll find them in, in Podcasts. what you practice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Can I be a Christian? And I'll ask a lot, you know, because I'm curious about it. You want to go to and other things. No, <laughs> like, can I be a Christian without, like, knowledge of scripture or even, let's say... I've never held a Bible, really don't care about the Bible, because my fascination is before the Bible, how did us as Africans relate with God, you know? Uh, uh, Because like you said, we've been Christians. I mean, you mentioned the story, you know, how priesthood in, in Africa started and stuff. So before the Bible, how did we relate to God, you know, because I'm sure Christianity, the Bible is not that old in Africa. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, of course. I speak from, yeah, it's in Africa. So mm-hmm. how do we relate, you know, with God in the Bible, but without the Bible in Africa? I think he's always put his conscience in man. He's put a witness in you where you know in your know. Like we come out and we look at the stars and we're just like, come on, man. Mm. Somebody had to have made that and it wasn't someone who was here yesterday who died and I buried. So, so he will speak to you through creation. He'll speak to you in dreams. The problem is that we are, there are a myriad of spirits. Remember fallen spirits 
who don't want you to know him and follow him, who will also present in dreams, who will also present with a, with a bunch of symptoms and make you feel like, no, we're calling you to this side. And here's what, and, and, and they're very persistent, um, not very lenient in their pressing. So when you, when you are dealing with headaches on a daily basis, everything you touch breaks. Yeah, hey, you don't like headaches, eh? Yeah. No, I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> a, lot like, of the, <laughs> a lot of the people who I've spoken to who answered a call would say, you know, this con- either they had epileptic fits or they had a lot. It's, you know, I've spoken to quite a few people with the headaches. Um, you, you didn't have any of that. I did. I had a lot of headaches. Um, I, I, my, my legs would freeze. Mm. I could not walk sometimes. I would collapse, um, especially when going to work. I would just faint. And then you adhere to the calling and here you are. Yep. Looking beautiful. Doesn't that counterattack what you're you. saying? Not necessarily. It's high. Yeah, I actually just can <laughs> I always like your questions. Can I can I can I can I, can I, can I maybe was your question answered? Can I maybe just add something? Yeah, no, go ahead. So we're in the process of answering. Go ahead. Can go ahead. Yeah, so you know, based on like history, archaeology and religion in general, Christianity is two thousand years old. But that's the New Testament that we're talking about. The old testament Judaism would go maybe three to five thousand years. But when we look at Africa and we, we you know, we talk about South Africa being the cradle of of humankind. We know of uh, history, human civilization going back at least 100,000 years, of which we would only know about 10 to 15,000 years off. Uh, so these numbers already are far older than what Christianity is, or even what Judaism might be. But a lot of people in recent years also talk about Egypt as a site of religious activity in Africa that predates Christianity and Judaism as well. Um, But the African people were always a very spiritual and religious people. And this is something that, you know, there's archaeological evidence going back 50, 60,000 years showing of uh, spiritual practice, burials, you know, we talk of um, and and so there was a time, yes, where African people practiced religion or spirituality or had an understanding of the cosmos and of the divine that predates, in my opinion, any other religion that exists today. So no. would that be the purest form then? Uh, um, and why don't we still at large practice those ways? Because those ways probably come from a biblical perspective straight out of Adam and Eve. So that's how far we're going. We're not going to Judaism. Remember, Judaism is... is I, don't, I don't think you agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, if we put Adam and Eve on yes. a map, you would put them at 5,000 years. If we put the story of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. it would also be about 5,000 years. And that's as far back as it would go. But even if we look at the text of Adam and Eve, it's not a... Uh, exclusive Judaic Middle Eastern text. It was actually uh, leading theologians, Christian theologians, and uh, people who study Christian history. When they look at the story of Adam and Eve, they see it as a story that was almost uh, plagiarized or rewritten after Jewish people were exposed to Babylon, where there were other texts such as the uh, Enuma Elish and the Epic of Gilgamesh, which were Babylonian texts that narrated a similar story, but is older than Genesis, um, which they then believed that when Jews were there, they reworked the story to, instead of saying, it was your God who did it, it was our God, Yahweh, who did this. Um, But yeah, again, if we even talk about Adam and Eve as historically factual people, they would exist 5,000 years ago. I'm not certain how that would work because I'm talking about the very first verse that says, in the beginning. Okay, and so what people don't understand is that when he says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, et cetera, et cetera, and he says, 
on the on the fifth day was, you know, uh, what was on the fifth day? It was the fish and sure. the birds. And he said, let there be. So you see two different texts. Genesis chapter one gives you like a project plan, like a discussion, like we're going to do this, let there be his. And then Genesis chapter two takes you through the actual formation. So he took his time and he took his hands and he made. <laughs> People like to make it seem as though he said, let there be and boom, there it was. Mm. Not so. Right. And so you cannot necessarily, the, the Bible says a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. We cannot now say that it was those uh, six days of creation on the seventh day he rested. There was exactly seven days and they, and, and you're starting it from when Adam, the day he formed Adam, because remember Adam was formed on the sixth day. Wow. So seven days, it's actually 7,000 days in. Wow. I've always thought it was like seven days and the world was and created. that's how you find, you know, human beings cannot just fathom this issue of patience because he can come at you and say, listen, uh, by this time tomorrow, I would have wrote this miracle. You wake up tomorrow expecting it to be. What he's saying is, I'm going to take you through a pro, take Abraham. So Abraham, like you're saying, does not come immediately after Adam and Eve. There is a whole lot of time that passed. He's now part of a different culture, the Ur of the Chaldeans. He's an idol worshiper for all intents and purposes. Then God comes to him and says, listen, I've been watching this trajectory of a man that I made who, you know, gave, took the apple, the serpent gave him, et cetera, et cetera. And this is not the creation that I envisioned. I don't know the time space that passed um, in that. But then he comes to Abraham and he says, come out of your father's house, your kindred, your tribe and your nation. And I will make of you a whole new nation. I will make your seed as many as the sand, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that took another 25 years. So, so yeah, again, to come back to your question, <laughs> uh, you know, I think if, we, if, we, if we're moving with what was said here, then it basically means that where a full stop is in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that that is the sentence. The Bible is not a <laughs> because, we get that joke. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because, because if we're saying that when the when the Bible says God created uh, the earth in mm -hmm. seven days, and we're saying that could actually be seven thousand years, mm -hmm. that's not in the Bible. We're putting that there. It's mm -hmm. so assumed. What else could we assume mm -hmm. about everything? Then we'll but, make up things as we go along. But yeah, but, but I want to get Dr. Nandipa. Yeah. You're very quiet in this. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I I do have a certain understanding of the Bible. But um, because I'm rooted in, in the practice of my ancestors, then I selectively read the Bible. Yeah. But something I wanted to just clarify, with he, which he said, people think the Bible starts in Genesis, ends in Revelation. It's a linear progression. It is not. So um, when you see in Genesis, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then we go to verse further down, day four. And he says, um, he then said, night and day, put the stars and the sun and the moon in the, in the sky. So night was actually, in essence, created on day four. So darkness is actually a being, not a time of day. So this darkness that was hovering upon the face of the deep, you go back to another part of scripture where, the same thing I referred to, there was war in heaven. Uh, the angels of God won this war and Satan was cast to the face of the deep. He was cast to the earth. This is happening, we're seeing this account in Revelation. There's a part we see again somewhere in the book of either Isaiah or Ezekiel. But when we are brought into the story, we're brought in in Genesis. 
doesn't mean Genesis is the beginning of the story. It means, and he says in, in a part that he's going to use his creation, men and women, to teach principalities and powers, certain ordinances. So he comes down and he says, listen, Satan, you're too small. I know when people say there's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom, it's not a kingdom. He's not a king. You are too small for me to take my energy and begin to fight with you. I will make man and he will contend with you on my behalf. Hence the instruction we receive in Genesis is have dominion and subdue. Subdue is warfare terminology. It, it implies that there is something there that exists, which you need to have authority over. It is not a story in which nothing exists. It's with we're bringing the story smack bang into 5,000 years and then Adam and Eve are created. But you see, that's the thing that so many things implied implications and so many things open to, you know, uh, 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 interpretations. Why can't it just be black and white? What is written there is what's there. When it says seven days, it is, why can't it be practical? Because okay. it's so hard to grasp because then you go to another person within Christianity mm. and they interpret it a whole different way. And why? This, this leads me to my next question. I'm and glad I you brought that up. Other, yes, okay, go uh, on. Uh, and I want to ask this to everybody. So, um, you know, whoever wants to answer first can answer first. But what do you think about atheists then? So people that say everything that you guys have just spoken about doesn't exist. Can, can I go? Please. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> in Hinduism, we have, uh, I think, you know, I spoke of many different schools. Everything that I spoke of so far uh, of Hinduism was from an Astika perspective, which recognizes our sacred text as the Vedas. But we also have a alternative school called the Nastika school, which essentially is atheism. Um, so you can be Hindu and atheism, meaning that you reject the idea of God, uh, or the divine or anything of these things actually existing. Um, does that answer you, Pat? Okay, yeah. Nastika. Well, it sounds like agnostic, which yeah, is right? also a similar kind of, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then African spirituality as well. There are people who um, don't believe that there is a God or a higher power. People who solely believe in the, just... Um, Earth, the universe, plants. Atheists actually believe that plants, a plant can be a god. <laughs> so um, I, um, I, I would, in um, a small sense, understand a person who believes that there's no power but the power within themselves because us as individuals, we do possess a lot of powers, a lot of capabilities within ourselves. When you have these conversations with atheists um, in the African culture that don't believe in God, like what are they saying? Like what's their reasoning behind it? Um, they, they would mention a lot of things. They would say um, they, they, they speak to their soul, they speak to their hands, they hear voices. But when you ask them, are the voices coming from God? Is it your ancestor? They'd say, no, it's just voices within myself. So they're hearing things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you... You, 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 there was something you were trying to get at that wasn't answered in terms of why the scriptures can't just be easy to read. So, yeah, and is, 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 and, and I know maybe you can, uh, Matthias, before continuing, uh, and is it the same with other religious, uh, uh books where there's so much, you know, uh, it's so vague and interpretation can be tenfold in one scripture or it's just in the Bible? Yeah, that's my full question. Yeah, well, I, I think maybe, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that we're talking about Islam when Muslim, there's no, yeah, yeah, you know, right, but, yeah. but Islam, I think, has, uh, if, if you can look at a religious tradition that 
you know, you don't necessarily have to interpret your way through. It's more Islam. Um, and that's also because of the emphasis on the original language that it was written in. So if you become a Muslim, you have to learn Arabic before reading the Quran so that you understand it within context of what it was written. When we're talking about Christianity, uh, especially in South Africa, but even globally, um, you have, you're working with an English translation, which was not the original language. Uh, the original language of the Bible is Hebrew. Mm -hmm. There's parts of it that are in Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. And then the New Testament is in Greek. Mm -hmm. Although there are texts and certain churches that say that the New Testament was written in Aramaic or a different uh, Middle Eastern language. But when we're working with the English, we also have to remember that before it came to English, it was translated into other languages like German. And then from there, it came to English. Mm. Um, if you're looking at the Old Testament as well, you have the Hebrew Tanakh and then you have the Greek Septuagint. And if you compare these two languages, you see discrepancies in the stories itself, which come about because of the differences in languages. Now, if you're looking at English and you're thinking, now this English that we have was translated so many times before we actually Ish. get here. Now you, you're having to fill in things in the story because of these things that couldn't be translated. There's some things that just can't translate in languages. And a common thing that also happens is literal. when you read something in the original language, you can tell when it's poetic and when it's factual, yeah. right? When you're reading it in English, you can't really tell any of that. Yeah. If you look at the Greek, for example, or the Hebrew, you can see that in the Old Testament, and that's why for Jewish people, certain things are poetic books mm -hmm. and not factual That's history. so true, man. It's like with music, like translating nigga in English. Mm. Yeah. It changes, it totally yeah, see, changes. Well, it's cool, but do you hear? <laughs> this, this drum. This drum. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna kill them, right? And then, Ten years down the line, ten thousand years, drums are evil. They kill people, uh, right? Easily, yeah. You can easily just get yeah. lost in translation. The Here's message. Here's the thing: is you have the there's three parts of the word. You've got the logos, which is black and white written in paper. You read. You've got the rhema, which is a revealed or a revelation that comes to you from what you have read. So the responsibility of every Christian is to consume the logos. You need to read the word for yourself or the charlatans will take you for breakfast because you don't even know what the word says. So they're going to tell you something else. Right. So the very basics, read the logos in relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he actually inspired the writing of the book. He then tells you the rhema. The epinesis is where you live the word. I don't know if you've ever come to a place where you're like, that must have been what happened to, what just happened to me now, that must have been what Job felt like. Mm. Like I've just been through the most, okay? And so the, the translations will seem to differ on the basis of the different, you know, things we're going through, your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to you. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. You can read the text, you can study, you can study to criticize, to find loopholes, to find where things seemingly do not connect, or you can study to show yourself approved. If you are studying the text, you will not just read the Bible, you will then go into various um, tools that have been provided where the Lord has given you know, skill and talent and patience to so many scholars who sat down and took each word and have translated word for word for word, taking the original Greek, the original Hebrew, what it would have meant in that historical context. You will study with a dictionary, a Bible dictionary, study with a Bible encyclopedia, study with a Bible history book, all of those things so that I can then tell you when, when you read this, actually the context in that time was this. And so this is where the, the writer was speaking from. 
and it aids translation a bit better. But yeah, if if you don't have relationship, you you could potentially have 500 different translations. Mm. It's going to have to be him saying, listen, my child, for you right now, this is what the scripture means. Pray it this way and watch what happens in your life. Uh, Dr. Nandipa, I got a question from Machila. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, many African traditions have faced challenges with colonialism and the influence of other religions. How has African spirituality adapted and evolved in the response to these uh, external forces? Well, it's been quite a difficult journey. Um, uh, because we're still really trying to break through um, colonialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the thing now with um, Christianity being deemed as the, the 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 higher or greater power, it makes it really challenging. But um, more and more people are tapping into African spiritualism. There needs to be more awareness on it. Um, it's it's just a sad reality that there's not much text on African spirituality um, in terms of having like subjects and schools um, that provide that kind of information. But I think it would be a great shift if um, African spirituality can be also included in, in high schools. And well, there is now in varsities, but nice. um, it's just not something that people are keen on opening up to because of um, the higher power Christianity being inflicted on Africans. Dr. Yuvan, I wanted to ask you, this is just out of my uh, curiosity, why is a cow sacred in, in Hinduism? Yeah, well, I mean, the cow is something that is sacred in a lot of ancient religions. Um, I'm sure in African traditional religions, it might hold some symbolism as well. I'm not sure. I was asking. It's okay. No. <laughs> okay, never mind then. <laughs> is it wealth? Yeah. Well, yeah, don't call oh, yeah. symbolize wealth for us. Currency. Yeah. 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 What's it called uh, when you get married? Uh, Lobola. 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 Yes. Because, like, you, you would slaughter a cow, right? But they wouldn't touch one. Is that correct? We, we, yes. we would touch it, but I mean, I mean, I mean you they yeah. massage it. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and let it roam free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we wouldn't slaughter it. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, no. Uh, for us, it does symbolize a lot of things. But in a lot of ancient cultures, um, you find that cows were believed to be the mother of the earth. And it's probably because they, uh, from a, maybe a, a scientific perspective, it's probably because uh, early humans, when they first discovered the cow, they realized that it was something that had a lot to offer. It gave you milk. It helped with developing houses. It was currency as well. So it was a probably a very well-rounded animal at that point, and it could be domesticated quite easily as well. So over time, when you look at things like how you were speaking about musical notes in 10,000 years from now, Mm. how things change, Mm. uh, in the same way, you could have certain things developing amongst human societies, uh, because Hinduism is about eight to 10,000 years old. So you have things that are ancient and historical that over time these things become venerated and it becomes holy and sacred like the Ganges for example uh, a river which historically would have been this is uh, a place that has fertile ground it has fish we can plant our stuff here you see it similarly with Egypt the Nile was also a sacred space and a holy place so it was natural landmarks and accessible things that were venerated as sacred that over time just became really holy and things that needed to be kept aside uh, and venerated. And what's uh, what's Hinduism's stance on, on sex? 
Wow. Okay. I mean, you went from the cow. <laughs> Zero to a hundred. Yeah. I mean, that was, okay. So when you say, like, what exactly when you like say Like sex before marriage allowed, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we're talking about Hinduism and we talk about sex. So I'm sure you must know of the infamous text of the Kama Sutras. Um, which is a very Hindu text as well. Um, sex is not something that is strongly prohibited or seen as bad. It's actually seen as a an enlightening practice. And so the Kama Sutra is, <laughs> I can see you have a question. <laughs> uh, okay. Attentively listening. <laughs> okay, thank you. But yeah, the Kama Sutra is, you know, I think the West and Europe made it out to be this sex document, but it's actually a very spiritual document that talks about how sex can help in spiritual enlightenment or the spiritual journey. Um, Culturally and socially, people do say wait for marriage, um, but that's not because sex is sinful. It's just because you should wait until you are financially, uh, you know, able to get in a marriage. And I mean, what happens if you have a kid and, you know, those kinds of concerns. Um, but yeah, it's not something that is bad. It's something that is good. It's something that is beautiful. Um, there are stories of our deities as well that include um, sexual activity, for example, the birth of other deities. Um, but yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. It helps in spiritual enlightenment as well. Yeah, uh, but we're not even going to ask you because we already know what you're going to say. <laughs> Dr. <Yeah>. Nandipa. <laughs> Dr. Nandipa. So there are, there are no rules that talk about sex um, in or sex before marriage in African spirituality. But sex is uh, regarded as something that's sacred because there's a, an exchange of spirits. Mm. So if 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 I have pure energies, like I have Zitunya, and then someone um, is being possessed by a demon and I exchange sexually with them, I will get that demon. So that's how um, spirits are transferred. And if someone, if I'm dating someone who's Inyanga, and I am umtandazi. There can be an exchange of spirits there, which will result in negative or either positive um, influences in my life. Mm -hmm. Like you can sleep with someone and then just be broke. Mm -hmm. So sex, we regard sex as spiritual. Mm -hmm. So it's it's we encourage people to to actually like um, not sleep around and pray for the right partner because the person that you are with determines. Um, your wealth or yeah, that's true. Eh? true. Yeah, that's so true. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's sacred. It should be kept sacred. So what if uh, I sleep with someone and I'm then suddenly bad things start to happen? But I'm I was single. They're single, and we're trying to actually date. Would that or be in a relationship? Is that fixable, or it means as much as we feel something for one another, we shouldn't be together? So it depends on. Um, the root cause of 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 the change in reaction. So it depends on the root cause of the problem. If you are if you were single and things were okay, and then you met this person, and um, they were single and they come from a good family, and you want to get together, but all of a sudden you you start losing your job, you start battling with your finances. There could be a spiritual problem. So um, it it could be a generational curse. It could be they have been locked, because you can lock a person using black magic. Um, it, it, it could be um, maybe they are gifted and they have not answered the call. 
because um, ancestors what do you mean can use black, black magic. What, do you, what does that mean? Oktagata. I can I can say, um, can you lend me 10 rands? Mm. I don't need it, but I just want to lock your luck because I just hate the fact that you can wear a sweater from Monday to Friday, a different sweater from no Monday ways. to Friday. And I say, I'm going to lock his luck. I go to the river, I take a muti, I take a bird, I stick it together, I say your name and your surname because I know you, I work with you, then I hang it in the tree. You will be broke for life. That's crazy. Where do you put the 10 rand? <laughs> no way. It can, be, it can even be a Whoa. five rand. Yeah, but where do you put it? In the midst of this altar that you've raised, where do you put the You money? put it together with the muti and the, and the bird. It can even be just a bunch of feathers. Oh. And you tie it with the red string. And you say some stuff. You hang it in a tree or you throw it. When you throw it in the, the water, whatever you do, you're not going to reverse it. Oh. You can see any healer they won't be able to reverse it. That's insane. That's where There's irreversible come. curses. Yes. Okay, curses okay, okay. Are... But now, so someone does that, you know, uh, to with, uh, let's say, Tato. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make myself an example. Let's say there's Usamson out there. And someone does this with Usamson. Isn't there anything? Is Usamson is and everybody else walking the earth at these people's mercy? Isn't there anything, since they can't reverse it, to protect themselves? Because surely... Not just any Tom, Dick, and Harry with powers can take anybody's name and put a chicken or a bird and hang it, and then that person's life collapses just like that. How do they protect themselves? If somebody gets a hold of your money, they can do witchcraft with that money. The best way to protect yourself is to not lend a person money. If somebody sure. is borrowing money for hey. you, rather send hey, I'm them on an Apple e-wallet. Pay. Hey. I'm on Apple <laughs> send pay. them an e-wallet. <laughs> do an if you give them money, they will lock you. Sure. Your luck will be gone. And even if you can, there wow. are rituals to try and reverse some spells, but not all of them are guaranteed. And this is why you'd meet a person, um, maybe five years ago, they were a millionaire, they were doing tenders. And then now in 2023, they're just broke. Mm. Some curses cannot be reversed. But do curses inspire bad decisions? Because sometimes you meet people like that and it was just bad decisions they made as humans. Yes. Uh, Yes, definitely. You can make bad decisions as a person, but some curses are generational. Mm. If um, there was a problem back then with your forefathers, mm. maybe they were cursed by someone um, through either words or through spells, then it, it does become a problem. But yeah, some curses can be rectified through the word, through mm. God, through prayer. And some curses can be rectified traditionally, but it, it, it never works out the same. Can, can I need I, to say this. No, I, sorry, I, please. I, I need to jump into this. This is why we ke- I keep going on about Christians understanding their priesthood. And uh, you see, because if, you, if, if a Sangoma has been to the riverside, has done these sorts of rituals, is constantly, I mean, when they toss us, sometimes they're under there for like three mm, months yes. at a time. So, so the elements recognize you. Mm. You've 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 serviced them. You've got altars that you're constantly servicing. So you're you're. It's like in, in soccer terminology, you're not a walkover because you're appearing at what we call the gates of of time. The specific gates, the new moon, the full moon. Those things are really powerful. But majority of the time, you'll find the Christians are half asleep because they're just like, I don't believe in that stuff. Mm. I don't know. No, but you need to engage your priesthood because when you are engaging your priesthood as a Christian, there is nothing that is impossible that is irreversible. If I go engaging my priesthood with the superior sacrifice of the blood of Jesus, the blood of the creator 
outdoes the blood of a, of, a, of a bull, a goat, a bird or whatever, I need to be aware and conscious and stop being in denial that these things occur. And I need to not be afraid that if you see me at the river, telling the river, listen, creation awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. Here I am, a son of God. I know someone came here, they spoke this, they did this. I'm commanding you to reverse that because I'm not absent. You know my voice. I come here all the time. And when I come, I speak blessings over you. I redeem creation so that those who use creation for evil cannot have any power over me. But if you're going to sit in a church and then when it gets too hot, then you now say, okay, no, it doesn't work. There's no power here. Then you divert and go to the very person who potentially even started the problem in the first place. Then they're like, okay, now I've really got you. Dr. Even? Yeah, no, I was, I was just, you know, with everything you were explaining, I was thinking of um, <clears throat> Macbeth, actually. You know, a man often meets his demise on the road he takes yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. So is it important for a person, for, what if a person doesn't know that they were cursed? Um, is it important for them to know that they were cursed? Is that what sets the curse off? Or what happens if they don't know of the curse and life as usual continues for them? Well, if they, it's it's a very dangerous place to be if you're unaware of the generational curses in the family. Mm -hmm. It's very important to know the curses in the family. How do you know the curses in the family? You look, you take a look at your life. You take a look at your parents' life and your grandparents' life. So there's often a trend. There's often a pattern, like maybe broken relationships, mm -hmm. divorce, um, lack of good finances. You know, um, so. Once you know what the curse is, once you know what you're dealing with, then it's it, you one step ahead, right? And then you can either take the traditional roots or the the godly roots to 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 tackle those curses or to actually reverse the curses. No, it makes sense. On that note, like a lot of people would say, you need to subscribe to these kind of things in order to seven you know? Yes. Um, like. No, so Fake. so Umlu who has no idea of all these yes. things, living their lives. Yes, everything requires faith. Muti requires faith. God requires faith. In order for anything to work for you, you need to believe that it's going to work. I can take a simple, simple plant and tell it, and tell it to go kill you, hey. and it will work. Hey. Because I believe once I hold the plant, I believe that it's going to work. It's going to do what I'm telling it. And when I send it to you, and if you are weak, solo, mm. you'll be trapped. Mm. Yeah. Sure. So, so you, can, you can send witchcraft to any human being. So if I just get your question right, if I don't believe, is it possible that this will not work on me? Was that your question? Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of people who believe that, you know. And it's a lie. And who say, how come white people, they don't practice whatever, they don't subscribe, and these it's things, their lives it's don't. It's a lie. I mean, if, if you look at white people problems and their own root of, of uh, um you know, witchcraft-related mm. situations, it might come with a different flavor, but they go through the same go-through. Mm. I mean, if you look in the book of Hebrews, um, we see a, an account of this, what I spoke of earlier, where Abraham meets Melchizedek and he pays a tithe to Melchizedek. Melchizedek does the priesthood thing and gives him communion. Uh, it was juice and bread, I assume. Gives him communion. Then the Bible says that Levi, who was in the loins of Abraham, partook of that ritual. So Abraham 
had Isaac, who had Jacob, who had Levi. Levi was nowhere near even a thought at that time, yet he is counted as having been part of that uh, process. So the things that our ancestors get into, hence the need to know the lineage, know the bloodline, know what, what you know, curses exist, the decisions they made will sit on you. Mm. It says that, you know, you get to a place in God where you're like, okay, there's a scripture that says the, the parents who no longer eat sour fruit and then my teeth will be set on edge. If you don't know scriptures like that and you don't know your power, you can't fight to reverse certain things. Instead, you're operating under the scripture that says the, the, the sins of the fathers will be upon the heads of the children to the third and the fourth generation. But there's a caveat. It says to those who do not love the Lord. So my getaway is, listen, I'm not on your list. Mm. I might be within the third and fourth, but I love the Lord. And, and the Bible says all things work together for good for me because I love him. So that I'm dealing with. But I can't be in denial about its existence. It will come at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have one more question. <laughs> Sorry. So you spoke about, you know, the importance of faith, right? And, if, you know, if, if you believe, believing is very important, right? Mm. Is it then belief in the curse that makes the curse valid as well? So can a curse then be valid if I don't believe that it's a curse? So if, for example, we spoke of, you know, the plant, setting a plant on someone else, and I believe that this plant is going to do that. So what happens now if you have... I'm also scared of using my... Let's go with Samson. <laughs> Samson's, <yeah. laughs> Samson's our guy. Yeah, we have, you know, we have a, a Samson and a person B who curses Samson. But Samson says, I don't have any faith in this curse being legitimate or real. Uh, is there any legitimacy to it then? Because faith it, it, gives power, doesn't it? Faith does give power. But in, in your context now, it wouldn't work. Because remember that... Um, Sin is sin, sin, <laughs> sin from our ancestors, from our parents can be transferred to us, mm -hmm. right? So we can suffer as a result of their sin. Yeah. It's in the Bible as well, yeah. right? So you would have to exercise your faith now and indulge in prayer if you were a Christian, <laughs> indulge in prayer and actually have referred to a verse that talks about generational curses so that you can break those mm. curses, right? So with traditional medicine, then you would also have to know and understand that there is a curse. And then when you are speaking to your ancestors, you would tell them the mm. curse and, the, and how and why they need to break that curse. So you have to acknowledge the curse in order for it to be broken. There's, there's a scripture that says, um, a curse without a cause will not stand. So the issue is whether there's a gate in my life, whether there's a cause, a legal standing that allows this thing to come upon me. Mm. And I think in acknowledging that curses are possible, there's also the need to acknowledge um, my right standing and whether there are legal grounds for yes. which. And, and if you don't have legal grounds, that's the point upon which you, you approach the courts of heaven and put forth your argument. Hey, witchcraft is scary, man. Bro. It's real. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm shooketh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, in closing, um, can you just talk about some of the misconceptions? I know you guys have all said it's not religion, but of, you know, uh, Christianity um, and so forth. Do you want to start? I think that's it. It's, it's, uh, there's a misconception that it is a religion of a lot of talk, um, it's weak, there isn't power, there isn't priesthood. Um, 
that the powers of darkness or the powers of ancestral worship, for example, is where real power is. So Christians can come to church on Sunday for a social gathering. But when you want things done and your money's not right and your health is not right, you need to go the other route. That's a misconception. Not true. The Bible says all power belongs to Jesus. I think we've not really investigated the power. Sometimes we're scared to really deal with it. Um, and we don't know how to wield that power. Dr. Yuvin? Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk about Hinduism, one of the popular misconceptions is that there's millions of gods that are independent of one another. But we don't necessarily teach that or believe it. Um, it's more that there is one God that is understood in different ways because people have different languages and different cultures and different contexts. So a God, one God, the one God would visit you within context of where you are. And because of how you speak the language you use, the geographical location, itself, you would understand and ascribe certain qualities to this God, creating an image that is different to what someone else might create. But in the end, Hindus believe that, yes, there is one God and that we all, irrespective of whatever religion we might believe in, or even if we don't believe in a religion, we all form part of this one consciousness um, that permeates through all of existence. Beautiful. You, Dr. Nandi? Uh, well, the misconception with African spirituality is that um, people think that spiritually gifted people, to be spiritually gifted, it means that you will become rich. So uh, having a gift has nothing to do with wealth. So you can be gifted and poor mm. because healing has nothing to do with money. In the old days, people were healed for free. Mm. I, I still know of people who charge two rand for injolo. So, yeah, that's the misconception. It has nothing to do with wealth. Beautiful. Penduka, uh, any last question? Yeah, um, I think all of us yeah, different, you know, uh, uh, beliefs and stuff, but everyone has highlighted that they believe that there's one God created the earth. In short, why is it that if it's such a perfect super being, why would they create such an imperfect earth? whereby there's tornadoes, just now now, innocent kids die. So if this super being exists, why would they create such a faulty... You know, Earth. There's so many evil things. Yeah, and that kills things, not by human error or human yeah. uh, influence, just naturally. No, you, you, can't, you can't throw that one in. because Natural disaster. When he created about... everything, he said it is good. So when we've misused the Earth and we've created things like if you believe there's global warming or we've, we've not, say, for example, you strip um, trees and you don't plant them back, you create erosion, there's going to be floods. There's going to be consequences for our actions. We've, I mean, you go to the sea and you see okay. plastic and stuff. We've messed up the earth we were given. Can, can I? Yeah, yes, go ahead. I always love your questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave then, it's fine. No, 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 no. Let me go, You should have coffee, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you know... Um, well, well, you know, I'll give you the Hindu answer first, but then I'll actually add to your question because I like your question. But in, in Hinduism, we have different yugas or different eras. And we're currently in Kali Yuga, which is the last of the eras before a new era sets in where it's all bright and beautiful and peaceful and everything is wonderful. But this is the last era where um, there's supposed to be destruction and there's supposed to be Terminal. all sorts of yeah bad things that happen. But your question, I do like it because it is a question that it, it puts everything that we think about religion, all religions under a microscope. Mm. Um, 
you know, you you gave reference to um, the the hurricanes and the tornadoes, which was you know quickly as attributed to human fault. But even if we remove humans from the equation and we look at the natural order of the earth. Why would a God create such an earth where a lion, in order for its survival, would need to eat another animal? That is an inherently natural, violent system where in order for one to sustain, another needs to be killed. And that can't necessarily be attributed to humans or sin or the fall of mankind. And you go into the ocean and it's the exact same thing where life, in order for it to be sustained, has to be dependent on something else being killed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... that's uh, I think a spanner in the world. Would you say the, the same works. thing if it was vegetables? Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Well, vegetables don't. I don't. I don't know. Do carrots eat lettuce or? No, no, no. Would you say? Would you say the same thing if? Is he referring to say human beings eating? animals or other animals eating other animals or is it just any living creature eating another living creature like would there be a problem with the creation if i ate a carrot that's what i'm trying to figure out the the question is more removing humans from the equation and looking at the natural structure of the world why is in order for a lion to survive why does it have to kill another animal I'm not promoting vegetarianism or anything. No, I'm just saying, it's, it's just a question. Why would you create a world that is so inherently violent? If you look at the way a lion kills and eats, it's it's terrifying. The same for sharks and things like that. And I mean, sea lion, what is it? Yeah, um, killer whales mm. eat sea lions and they're so cute. And you just see them, you know, being slaughtered. I was trying to figure Why would out. God create such a violent mm. world? Mm. I was trying to figure out where you're coming from because in the beginning you would see, he said to them, the trees are all for you to eat. It was after the fall um, and after Noah that he then came and said, okay, for the first time, here's meat. So it wasn't created that way. Again, it's attributed to the fall. That's why I wanted to know if, if you had a problem with the original mm. structure where we were eating um, mm. apples from okay. trees. Yeah. Then he gave us the apple, then we ate the wrong one, and then here we are. Mm. But Pearl, would you, sorry, would you say we are facing the end times when you Almost look at def- the book of Almost Revelation? Def- most definitely. Meh. The prophecies mm. are fulfilling themselves. It's it's very obvious. I think you need another show on just that one. Mm. Like, look at the... You need to juxtapose, juxtapose the news with the book of Revelation. It'll blow your mind. Sure. Insane, man. In closing, Saul, uh, what do you think we should have in the next one if chillers want us to do? We need an atheist, definitely. Okay. An knowledgeable one, of course, you mm. know, mm. Whose, whose decision on to be atheist is well-informed and educated. Mm. And then, obviously, Islam, definitely mm. Jews, definitely. Mm. And maybe another Christian because it's Christianity, you know? Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's what a lot of people... Uh, um, Thingy with, and then maybe African spirituality, but of a different kind. And to tell um, then we may have umlos, which is the most powerful of them all. So I think we should have those, uh, yeah, Yeah. well curated. But drop a comment and let us know, man, if you want us to do that. We're coming at you live from Rise Studios. If you want to use these studios, make sure you email uh, or check out the website risestudios.co.za. It's right here in Rand Park, ladies. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank this you. one, hey, but you were scaring me with that witch stuff. <laughs> hey, that stuff is scary, though. You look pumpkin, man. You must stop. In closing, where can people check you out if they want to, uh, you know, connect with you guys and chat more about this? To connect with me, um, I have a website, www.nsa.co.za. 
um, on my social media platforms at Nandipa the Psychic. My WhatsApp number is 071-159-1545. Well, you sure you want to tell people WhatsApp and you're going to get bombarded? <laughs> What's, yeah. Okay. It's huh? business WhatsApp. So. All right, all right, all right, all right. You know the chillers are wild, bro. Yeah, just write it, please. <laughs> nah. So that, because they always want to ask us a few weeks down the line. Yeah. But, yeah, just put on the screen. Dr. Yuvan? For me, you can reach out to the South African Hindu Mahasabha. Yeah. Yeah. How do you spell that? It's S-A Hindu Mahasabha. M-A-H-A. <laughs> yeah, it's S-A-H-M-S. If you just search that on Google, you'll find it, yeah. Oh, happy days. And you, uh, you can find me on YouTube, Life of Interruptions, on TikTok, Possibility Broker, on Instagram, at Mrs. Pearl Osa. Um, my website, pearlosa.co. Not com, not co.za, co. Co. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much, man. Podcast and chill out here, man. Boom. Peace. Welcome to Black Excellence. Do not fear, for if you do, just sip on some grandeur. And if you still do, ask ourselves, what would Mapapunzi do? Parama chilla, itlesha lefiki. even when they ask you, how sabiin, do not fear. For if you do, just say, Anistiri. This is the medicine of censorship. This is the pill. Which one is that one? Podcast and chill.